In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. Ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present among us here in the most blessed sacrament, uh, the theme for our meditation this morning is part of this day of recollection, this, this time kind of set aside, Lord, to, to be with you and to just be a little bit more quiet, enter into the quiet, enter into the, the silence. And the, prayer, the theme for our prayer is uh, the gospel passage that actually was our Sunday gospel last weekend of when our Lord walked on the sea um, and appeared to the apostles walking Walking on the sea, and I mean, just even that image itself is a, a beautiful model for a day of recollection, right? It's a, it's a great image to have Jesus walking on top of the water and in a day of recollection, this time just a little bit more dedicated to prayer. You know, we have the, we have the sea of our lives. We have, we have the waves, there's some waves, there's some um, whatever, you know, there's, there's the water. And a day of recollection just gives us a chance with Jesus to, to kind of walk on that water. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, but to, to walk, to, to just kind of be with our Lord um, and everything else, whatever, whatever else is going on in our life, like, okay, it's going to be there. It'll still be there in an hour and a half or two hours, <laughs> for better or worse. It'll still be there. Um, and so this time, Lord, we just get to step aside and, and not so much swim in the waters, bob in the waters, float, drown. Uh, no, rather, we're just, we're going to walk on the waters with you. Uh, that should be our, our goal this morning, to, to walk right on top of everything else that's going on, to, to transcend the waters in a real way, and to, to be united with you, to have this time of, of union with you. Now, the scene that takes place of Jesus walking on the sea uh, and approaching his disciples happens in a particular context in the gospel. And sometimes when we, when we read these passages in the midst of our Sunday readings, we just, we just get snippets. We, we never really get a full um, picture. We just, you know, there's a snippet. And it's good to always, you know, go through our regular reading of the New Testament and to see the, the context of what's going on. And so this takes place in the 14th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, and it begins with the death of John the Baptist. That chapter 14 of Matthew's Gospel begins with the death of St. John the Baptist and the whole series of events that leads to this walking on the water um, it begins with Jesus, you know, his cousin being killed, not just his cousin in a natural way, but also his forerunner, right? The forerunner of the Lord, Jesus' own forerunner, who went to prepare his way himself now is, is martyred, and Jesus 
hears of it. And so St. Matthew tells when Jesus heard of this, the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart. That he, he wanted to, to get away, to spend some time in prayer. The immediacy of how that would have struck our Lord in his human nature, that his forerunner who goes before him all, in all things, even in death, is now dead. And so he's next. Like he, he knows and he's prepared for that, but still with our Lord's sacred humanity, that doesn't go down easy. He, he knows that he's next. And so there's the, um, the emotion that'll go into that. And so our Lord goes away to, to pray through this, to be with his father uh, and to, to kind of get away from the ministry a little bit in order to enter into prayer and to, um, yeah, consider what this, what this means for his own ministry. And the crowd, the, the crowd follows him. Um, so Jesus just wants some time away, some time to pray, and the crowd, they follow him. Um, and they follow him, and when he, when he sees them, he doesn't throw a temper tantrum, he doesn't say, like, don't you know, I need me time right now. Like, this is my time. I'll be back with you guys in a couple days. Like, I need my time right now. Um, when he gets to where he's going, the crowd, who somehow knew where it would be, uh, they follow him. And they, um, my translation here of the Bible has, when he went ashore, he saw, on, uh, he saw a great throng Right? I don't know how many people a throng is, but it's probably a lot. Right? He saw this great throng. Well, we will find out actually in a little bit because the great throng uh, is going to be with him and he's going to work all day healing them and teaching them. And so this great crowd, this great throng of people follows him and he, he healed their sick. He had compassion on them. And so this gives us an insight into our Lord's unity of life. In all things, he was the son of the father. And so the crowd being there isn't a threat to his relationship with his father. It's not a threat to his times of prayer. Uh, It's not that Jesus lived a compartmentalized existence. And definitely the hypostatic union is not just being compartmented. While there's no mixture of our Lord's humanity and his divinity He's not just different compartments. And so Jesus sees, okay, here's this crowd, and he heals them. And he works till the night. Like at e- It's not until evening. Again, sometimes when we pay attention to the, the gospel passages and some of the details, it's not until the evening that the apostles come and say, get rid of the crowd. Like, they're not supposed to be here in the first place. You got to get rid- send them away, get rid of them. Uh, we have no food. They're not going to be able to feed these people. They followed you. We didn't bring, it, like, we didn't bring food. We're not going to be able to feed these people. So we've been working. We started with a tragedy. Now we're working all day. Now it's not till the sun is going down that finally we recognize we can't feed these people uh, late afternoon, early evening. Getting ready. They got to get home before it gets dark. And then this is the context of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, right? Here Jesus says, now you feed them. So it's been a long day and it gets even longer, right? Preparing dinner for a single household takes long enough. 
feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. Like, how long does that, how much effort and work does that take? Like, that's a big dinner at the end of the day. And now, it's in this context that we get the, Jesus then dismisses the crowd. He feeds them all. He dismisses the crowds. Now, if I was Jesus, which thank thank the Lord I'm not, right, Um, I would take a nap. Like, this is it. We're done now. Like, this is, we are totally done. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to just go, go sleep. Um, But no, Jesus himself dismisses the crowd. He knows there's more to do. He knows that there's there's something big coming up that he needs to do. Um, The Chosen portrays this in a great way, that Jesus knows that there's going to have to be a big, important encounter, a crew con, if you will, going on between him and Peter, the the way the chosen kind of dramatizes that isn't exactly in scripture, but it's a beautiful portrayal. Anyway, so Jesus goes in, he dismisses the crowds, he sends the apostles in the boat, and then he himself goes to pray. And I think that this could teach us, first about our Lord's prayer, that after he dismissed the crowds, he went up into those finally by himself to pray, right? Maybe to pray and to talk about the death of John the Baptist, to talk about what is immediately going to be happening in a few hours with the apostles, about the multiplication of the, um, the loaves and the fish. I'm sure our Lord prayed about some of the sick people that he healed, right? For, for us, it's just they're sick people. But for him, like, he knew them. Lord, you knew them. You knew them by name. And so I'm sure you prayed. You talked to the Father about them as well. You brought them to the, to the Father, and so you prayed. And so the apostles are out on the boat. Jesus is there on the mountain praying. And now in the, in the fourth watch of the night, right, sometime between probably 3 and 4 a.m., um, there's a storm on the sea. The wind is against the boat, and Jesus comes walking on the water, toward his apostles in this, in this moment. I think something we can, we can see from this, you know, first our Lord's priority of prayer, right? He's going to have to take a, a long walk on a lake after a big day. And he doesn't go just take a nap. He doesn't just try to get those few extra hours of sleep. Like he goes to pray. Uh, prayer is rejuvenating. We need to take care of ourselves. We need good health. You know, we should try to get a good amount of the right amount of sleep or as much as we can toward the right amount of sleep. But prayer shouldn't be an imposition on our time. Right? To, to have time, Lord, in conversation with you is, is one of the best ways to spend any free time we have. In, when I was in seminary, they would you know, encourage you, you break the day up. And so if you're a full-time student as a seminarian, then you... Um, you should spend eight hours a day on academics, right? You're a full-time student. You should spend eight hours a day on academics between class and homework, that personal study. You're a full-time student. That's your full-time job. Eight hours a day, five days a week, you know, to have 40 hours dedicated to academics every week. And then in that, once you start doing that, you recognize like, okay, well then the free time I have, the other times of the day, you know, we have apostolic works, we have just household stuff to take care of. And when I look at like, what do I have for free time? Well, the first free time I have, I should give to prayer. 
right? Prayer isn't work. We shouldn't see our prayer as like, prayer is part of my work day. When I have to, prayer is, you know, the equivalent to like doing chores around the house. Like, no, prayer, prayer is the first way I would want to spend any free time I have in conversation with you, Lord. Building this, this relationship. This is one of the best ways to spend some of our time off is, is with you. Um, prayer, prayer can be that, that time of, of rest. Uh, it's the best way to spend our free time. It's not work. He just goes and he prays and then, and now he walks. It's time for this encounter with the apostles on the sea. He comes to them uh, in, in that moment. And if you think like, this is a big revelation. Um, this, is, this is a big thing. Jesus has done some healings up until this point. Um, but like, this is the first thing that he does. Like the multiplication of the loaves and fish, that, that's pretty intense. And now he walks on water. Uh, so this is a big moment of revelation for his apostles. And the apostles, they've been working all day too. They have... Um, they were in the boat on the way there. They were, you know, actively working as Jesus is healing the crowd. So they've been working all day. And now they're on the sea all night. And being in the boat with the wind and waves and, and maybe rain is not a restful experience. Uh, I, I drove up to Boston yesterday for spiritual direction and to have a meeting with someone. And they... Um, and I, was, I watched the weather, and I drove with the rain the whole way, all two and a half hours. I was going up to Arnold Hall, and uh, I drove the two and a half hours basically keeping pace with the storm. And so the rain was already, you know, finished here in Connecticut. So I'm well on my way, and I, I had pouring rain the whole time. And it was not a pleasant drive, or driving in, in kind of the heavy rain where there's no visibility and you're just creeping along. Uh, is a, it's a stressful, it's a, it's a kind of tense thing. And so the apostles have had this tense night because they're in the boat on the storm. And now, like Jesus, you want to reveal yourself to us in an incredible way now? Can't you wait till things are a little bit more relaxed, till we have more time to process it? But no, uh, when evening came, he was there alone, and the boat by that time was many furlongs, distant from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, again between three and four in the morning, again, just even that detail, like, you don't have an important conversation with someone at three in the morning. That, that's not a good time. Like, we need to talk about something. Three in the morning's not a good time. Um, we can wait till after breakfast, right? Uh, or till some. But like three in the morning, like now, Lord, you are on to reveal yourself in this way now. And maybe we have that. Like, you know, we're busyness of our lives. But like, yeah, no. Like right now, no matter what else we got going on today, yesterday, tomorrow, like now. Lord, here we are with you on this day of recollection. And maybe in our own lives, this, this may not be the ideal time. We may not think it's the ideal time, but in God's time, he knows. God knows when we, when we need this, this revelation, when he comes to us, walking on the sea. And they, they flip out, uh, as, as should be expected by the apostle. They, it's a ghost. Uh, 
They're terrified. And Jesus calls out to them, right? Immediately, he spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Have no fear. Be not, do not be afraid, right? Take heart, be courageous. The virtue of fortitude. Like, stop, stop panicking. Be courageous, don't worry. Stop panicking, like, don't panic. It's me. Now, What's beautiful about that phrase in the, in the Greek that Saint Matthew, in which St. Matthew wrote it is, it's me, is ego a me, which is both, it could be a, hey, it's me, like, don't worry, it's me. But it also, ego a me, can literally be translated, I am, right? So do not be afraid, I am, right? the divine name. And that's, that's who Jesus is. Right? Jesus is, I am. But he's also, it's me. I remember in my theology classes in Rome, I got really upset because the professor just wanted to say, no, it's only, it's me. Like, it's only, hey guys, it's me. And I'm like, no, no, it's I am. Right? Jesus is revealing himself as I am in this situation, as God. As if walking on the water is not enough. Um... And, and the professor and I didn't quite agree on that, but that's fine. It's both, right? It, and that's, that's the beauty of, of our Lord's incarnation, is that I am, like God himself can also be for us, it's me. Like, it's, it's Jesus. It's our friend, Jesus. This is my friend. I'm friends with Jesus, with God, with I am. And he can say to me in that friendly way, it's me. It's me. Don't worry. That's the relationship that the incarnation allows us to have with God incarnate, God himself. That I am is for me. It's me. It's my friend. It's Jesus. And so that beautiful relationship we have, the, the closeness we have with someone who's also God, um, who is I am, revealed to Moses, uh, the God of, of our fathers, right? God who created all things. So don't be, don't be afraid. It's me, right? Be courageous. Take heart. It's me. I am. Have no fear. And then Peter, Matthew's the only one that tells us this part of the story. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Right? Peter here prays with real boldness. Like, if, if it is you, bid me to come, onto the, come out onto the water. And Jesus says, come. Right? And then Peter gets out of the boat. What, what an incredible act of trust in you, Jesus. Right? That Peter, in that moment, with the waves and the wind, in the middle of the night, it's probably dark, and Peter steps out of the boat. And when we have this encounter with our Lord, when we, when we have this time with him in prayer, he then inspires us to apostolic boldness, to, to go, to be on mission, to get out of the boat, to walk to Jesus in the midst of whatever circumstances, these, this boldness to, 
venture outside of our comfort zone. I really like doing apostolate in my comfort zone. Like, if I'm in my, my kind of safe space, I can be very apostolic, right? But all of a sudden, I have to talk to someone in a kind of awkward situation. Like, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, school's going to be starting. I love our university next door. And there's nothing better than Central Connecticut State University during the summer when no one's there. Like, I love being on campus when there's no one there. I got a good, like, two-and-a-half-mile route of taking a walk around campus. I don't really interact. That is, I, I love being a chaplain on campus with no students. Uh, it's the perfect, perfect time to be there. But in another two weeks, all these students are going to come back, and they're going to be there. And then all of my flashbacks to, like, being in freshman year of high school and being awkward and not knowing anyone and not knowing how to talk to them and not knowing how to interact, it just comes right back. And, and no, it's in that moment. Be apostolic. Be bold. Lord, if it's you, like, if you've called me to this, bid me to step out of the boat, to get out there, to get out of my comfort zone. And Jesus says, come. And Peter does. He steps out of the boat. and Peter begins walking on water. Like, Peter himself walks, he takes steps on the water. And he's an imitation of Christ there. Like, and that's ultimately when we are apostolic, the way that we are best apostolic is when, in the words of St. John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. The best way to be apostolic is to be Jesus. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus do this? To be an imitation of Christ is the best way to be apostolic. It's when we'll be the most apostolically fruitful. That we're doing what Jesus did. And in this situation, Peter is is actually walking on the water. Which is even a minute. Like taking a step on on some water. Just like even that, like, it's pretty incredible. That's got to just blow your mind. That he's walking on water. And in our apostolate, we can have these moments of real success. That things are going. They're going really well. I didn't expect it. But now things are happening, and, and there's progress, and we are acting in imitation of Christ. And in our own personal apostolates, you know, maybe people are coming to our Lord, and they're, they're listening, and they're receiving the message, and they're open to that. And so there's, there's this real success that we could be having, having, but it's too good to last. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. He came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. But when he saw the wind, he became afraid. As we take those kind of first steps and then we realize, like, I'm walking on water. I don't, I don't actually know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm, I'm walking, as we take those steps in apostolate, and then we notice, but then we notice the wind. We start noticing the challenges. So for Peter to see the wind, what has to happen? He has to take his eyes off of Jesus. The, the, the way that you focus on the wind and the waves is that you take your eyes off Jesus and you start paying attention to the problems. And this same thing, happens to us in our apostolate. It can happen all the time that we start calculating up 
all the problems, all the difficulties. We notice them. They were probably there before, but now we notice it. It's been brought to our attention. You can't, you can't be apostolic. Like, don't you realize this or that? Don't you realize that uh, you know, there's cultural issues? Don't you realize that these people, you know, um, they're, they're judging you, whatever. You know, whatever it may be. Okay, you can't possibly be apostolic. Well, you were. <laughs> we were. We were doing it. We were walking on the water. But we notice. Or we notice the challenges. I'm, I'm not prepared enough. I don't know enough. I, I don't know how to spread the gospel. I had one or two times. I talked to someone about Christ, but I can't possibly do more. I, going back to seminary, I, there was a guy in seminary when I was there who already had a doctorate in philosophy and already had a license in theology before entering seminary. So he was really smart. Um, he knew a lot. And Every time now I have to teach a class, I assume that that guy, someone with that guy's qualification, Father Matt Fish, he's a great fish, a priest in um, Washington, D.C. now, really good priest. But like he was, it's, or I just assume Matt Fish is going to be in, in the class. Like I assume that somebody like him who knows way more about this. And so there I am trying to teach about our Lord. And there's going to be some, some person with a doctorate in philosophy that's going to correct something I say. And I'm just going to wilt. And everyone's going to realize that I don't know what I'm talking about, right? We, we notice the waves. We notice the wind. We start paying attention to our inadequacies. And Peter, and this is a cool detail, Peter begins to sink. Like, he doesn't just drop, he, nothing's holding him up, right? It's only God's grace that's holding him up. So, you would, like, if you walk on water and then you stop walking on water, Gravity's going to take over and density, and you're just going to plop into the water. But Peter doesn't. Actually, he begins to sink. So what does that even look like? Like, what does it look like for someone who's walking on water with nothing underneath them to just slowly begin to sink? I think for us, we can see in that image that if we lose interior life, if we lose the focus on our Lord in the midst of our apostolate, we may not just plump into the water. We're going to begin to sink. That, okay, Lord, I don't have a lot of conversation with you. I'm paying attention to the difficulties. I'm going to handle these instead of giving them over to you. And I'm not immediately going to drown, but I'm going to begin to sink. And then I'm going to sink some more. And then a little bit more after that. St. Jose Maria, in his little book, um, Furrow, says, If you abandon prayer, you may at first live on spiritual reserves, and after that, by cheating. If we abandon our prayer, like today, if, well, today's a day of recollection, so we're praying today, but like tomorrow, I don't pray tomorrow. Okay, we may not see the immediate downfall of everything that we've ever done, you know, apostolically. But then the next day, and the next day, we may not immediately sink and just drown, but we're going to begin to sink. And we're going to just be living off of some spiritual reserves for a little bit. And if we let it go too much, then the only way to get by is by cheating, by hypocrisy, by preaching something that we don't practice ourselves, by encouraging others to virtue that we don't live ourselves. 
And so it's not going to be an immediate failure. We're going to begin to sink. And when we do, we have to imitate Peter, who cries out, Lord, save me. As soon as we recognize it, as soon as we recognize our interior life has gone a little bit cold, our life of prayer has dried up. I can't deal with this apostle. I can't deal with all the stuff. I'm noticing all the challenges. And we're sinking. Then we should just cry out like St. Peter. Lord, Lord, save me. You need to do this, Jesus. You got to fix this. I don't know what to do. You fix this. You deal with this. Lord, Lord, save me. And we hear Jesus immediately catches him. It says, well, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, little faith. Like Peter got out of the boat in the first place, right? But that's still, it's, it's still little faith that he doubted. And he paid attention more to the problems than he did to the person of Christ. And then Jesus brings him back to the boat. Now, there's a cool image someone gave me, and we can conclude with this, is what, so Peter began to sink. He calls out, and Jesus catches him. And what if, like, to get back to the boat, Peter, Jesus had to, like, drag a half-sunk Peter, right? Like, he doesn't get up and start walking again. But, like, Peter's, like, you know, knee or waist deep in the water. And Jesus, still walking in the water, has to, like, drag him back into the boat. And it just looks really awkward. And for us, if we start hustling and things are going well, but then we begin to sink... Well, we may have to have that awkward kind of drag back into the boat. And it may not look good, right? It, it may, it, we may look a little foolish. And I'm sure Peter there looked really foolish. But that's okay. We're in the hands of the Lord. So we need humility. We need humility to let Jesus get us back into the boat however he wants to. And we're not going to look very graceful doing it. But that's okay. Like, we're in our Lord's hands. And so it's better to be caught by our Lord than to drown. Uh, and then if we need to just deal with that humility and have that humility to be dragged back into the boat. Um, okay, like it's, our Lord has caught us. And so, Jesus, as we, as we pray with this, as we talk to you about this, we should see that, that primacy of our time of prayer, even in the midst of busyness, that you yourself are, are our friend. You're I am, but you're our friend. And that you call us to this apostolic boldness, that you want us in imitation of you to bring, to bring souls, to bring many, many souls to you. But we got to focus on you in the midst of our apostolates and all things being centered on you. That's, that's what gives us unity of life like Christ has unity of life. Everything we do, our, eyes are, our interior eye is always fixed on the person of Jesus. We ask our mother who lived this interior life to teach us how to do that. And everything Mary did, everything was out of love for Jesus. Uh, and so Mary, teach us. Teach us how to have that unity of life how to in all things be boldly apostolic, but always focused on the living God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. And so there'll be confessions available for the next half hour in the confessional.